episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Loaded Sport, a massive milestone as Loaded Sport hits the half century and another milestone at the end of the road, the end of a chapter that has been the first 50 episodes of Loaded Sport as tonight we have the final edition of the Listener Lock-In. Before we introduce our final guest for the Listener Lock-In, I will introduce the lads and we have got a full house tonight. First of all, joining us, we have got Aggie. Aggie, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks. How are yourself? Oh, it's uh, it's been a day. It's been a week. I've got a, a star of Pramen in my hand, mate. I'm, I need it to get to get me through this next hour, hour and a half or so. But other than that, mate, we've got a bank college just around the corner. So one more day to get through. 100%. Also joining us tonight is the man that has got plenty to get stuck into later on in the show when we get tucked into his combat corner. Kempi, how are you doing, my friend? Mr. Dawson, Mr. White, man with the mic. How are we doing, chaps? Are we good? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. How's your week been so far? Fantastic, mate. I feel like everybody on this call, apart from Josh, um, I feel like everybody is a little bit stressed out and a little bit tetchy. Um, probably don't help that you all work at the same firm, so it might be something to do with that. <laughs> but be on the periphery, on the outside of it. Um, I'm pretty chilled, mate. Yeah, I've got um, effectively a half day tomorrow because I'm out on site. So, uh, yeah, everything's good, and it's a bank holiday weekend coming up, so I can't complain, mate. How are you? Are you OK? I'm, uh, I'm equally as happy that you're happy and jealous that you're happy, mate. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there for, for that, but glad to know you're having a decent week. And uh, last but not least of the usual suspects that is the Loaded Sport panel, Sam, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Just same as you, a little bit little bit stressed this uh, this week. It's not not been ideal, but... We get we go on with it, don't we? And uh, here we are, another Thursday closer to death. That's it, mate. That's it. Another another Positive Thursday closer. Positive. <laughs> another Thursday closer to uh, seeing the next band that Paul's putting on at the start. But uh, <laughs> look, this is this is creative output for us. So I'm sure by the end of it, we'll be in a much better place and we'll get through it together. But not to bring the mood down because it is the weekend. We've got a lot to discuss, and like I said, it is the final edition of. The listener lock in before I introduce our last guest. I do want to thank every single person that has took time out of their evenings um, to have a really good chat. We've we've really enjoyed it. We've had some great conversations about different teams up and down the country. Um, so it is a bit of a shame that it is ending, but that's what happens when we come to the business end of the season that we're at now. So joining us for the last edition of the listener lock in, the man that is going to try and tie the current lead of three out of six, and if not, potentially become the first person to hit four plus Josh. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you guys doing? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. All yeah, good. I'm privileged to be on the on the show and and for to, to actually be the the last one to do it as well. It's uh, it's a real honour. No pressure, mate. This could go one of two <laughs> ways. But um, we had Delhi join us last week. We had a great conversation around Arsenal and. The, the, you know, she was adamant that she wanted to come on towards the end of the season and assumed that Arsenal would have the Premier League title in the bag at that point. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But some really good conversation about, you know, how they got to where ultimately has been a good season for them and what they need to look to do in the summer to make it even better. But she did only end up with one out of six as, as a result, getting Brighton as a lock 
Um, she picked Erling Haaland, Chelsea as a wild card. They they obviously didn't uh, come in and then the three scores didn't either. So, Delhi, we were going to have you on tonight if Chelsea did win the wild card, but I'm assuming that went out the window once Arsenal lost to Forest and it didn't matter anyway. So, uh, yeah, it was good to have you on, but one out of six. So, Josh, hopefully you can do better tonight, but time will soon tell. But before we do that, we will start off with the question that we ask absolutely everyone to open the listener lock-in. Which team do you support and why? Um, so I support Chesterfield uh, Football Club. Um, uh, I started going to games about uh, 10 years ago when the new stadium opened. Um, there was just a great deal uh, made about the fact that we moved into this new stadium. And I just uh, went to my first game about halfway through the season and um, I just couldn't stop going. And then I went to away games and I follow them absolutely everywhere. And I've just fallen in love with football and uh, and the club as well. Interesting. I've uh, I've it's well known that I've become a Chesterfield fan over this season. Started going to games, uh, starting with the Wrexham win two 0 win early right early doors in the season, uh, and I've been I think double figures is the amount of games I've been to this season. But uh, overall, a disappointing season considering that you know you're going to be going into next season another year in non-league, and it kind of feels like every single year you get. Before you, before you carry on, Adam, let's pull him up straight away, as we did last week. We, Dawson. What did I say? <laughs> you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. So, we seem to get closer and closer every year to getting back into league football. It hasn't quite happened. I mean, having to go up against Wrexham Notts County this year, it was going to be tough for absolutely anybody. But what are your, now sort of the, the, the disappointment of the playoff final has died down, what are your thoughts on sort of this season as a whole? Well, there's been ups and downs, but uh, overall, I, I think it's been uh, a really positive season for the club. Like you say, we, we it was an impossible task going up against uh, this Wrexham and Notts County uh, uh, respective teams. Um, uh, and, and, and looking at the, the points tally they've uh, eventually uh, ended up on, it, it's, uh, it, it, w- it was never going to be the case that Chesterfield could re- realistically challenge that um, so to, to get the points we did to finish third and, and actually um, be the more uh, competitive team on the day at Wembley as well, we, sh- we should have probably wrapped that game up. Um, to, to, to get to that stage, I, I think we, we can be immensely proud of, uh, of the team and, and the performance over the season. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. Me and Aggie have had many conversations, both on the show and, and off it as well. Of, of the difference that plays like Colclough, Dallas, you know that sort of that threat in the, the final third made in the in the last couple of months of the season, where after the West Brom game, which was absolutely phenomenal, and they outplayed them on the day just like they did Notts County, they did seem to drop off quite a bit, and that's where where they were pushing Wrexham and Notts County, and they were right up there at that point. They ended up you know a good twenty points behind, but teams coming down from League Two, you know, you're Rochdale's who you've played plenty of times, or, sorry, we've played plenty of times uh, in cup competitions over the years. They could potentially be a threat in, in terms of that that one automatic promotion spot, but where do you think the focus needs to be this summer to make sure that next year is the year that Chesterfield finally get back into league football? Well, we're sort of halfway there with the team at the moment. It's, uh, it's changed uh, here, here and there over the course of the last couple of seasons, but uh, I think we're we're about there and ready to realistically realistically challenge for that top spot over the course of the season. So, where should we strengthen? We we definitely need to sign um, a, a proven striker. Um, 
such as uh, Dallas on a permanent basis. Um, if we can do a deal with, with to get Andrew Dallas into the team, I think that'd be uh, a real boost for our, our chances. Uh, we need to obviously sign a goalkeeper. Um, uh, I really uh, admire the job Ross Fitzsimmons has done over the course of the season. Uh, seeing as we we initially got him as a, a replacement for uh, Kovlan uh, during his uh, uh, three match suspension, weren't it? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm really impressed with Ross, but uh, he's decided to move on, and I, I think we we can get a, a bit more quality in that in that department as well, in terms of a, a new goalkeeper. So um, I think if we get a new a proven striker, a proven uh, goalkeeper. Um, we've we've already got the the basis of a, a strong team, uh, and and I think that will that will really boost our chances. That's fair, and I find it hard to agree with that. But who knows? This time next year, hopefully, we'll be discussing the fact that Chesterfield uh, have been promoted, and I'm sure Aggie will uh, will be in the best mood that he's ever been in for a loaded spot episode. Should that happen, I might actually smile. <laughs> mate I'm putting that down as my lock that you still won't even if that does happen but, <laughs> probably uh, be right let's get stuck into the reason why we are here and that is the listener lock in Josh you've been sent over what you need to come with what scores you need to come with but as always we're going to start with the lock so for the remaining Premier League fixtures for the three playoff finals which team are you most confident will get a win in 90 minutes this weekend Okay, so I've looked into this a little bit um, and it didn't really take me long to come to this conclusion, but I, I'm pretty sure Liverpool will beat Southampton this weekend. Is it one of those that not really much need saying considering the no. film Liverpool are in Sa- Southampton are done? Southampton are just so poor at the moment. Um, bottom of the league for a reason. Um, no form whatsoever, really. And with Liverpool um, aiming for... Uh, that uh, top four still, I think they're still in with a shout, certainly still in with a shout of securing a, a competitive European spot. I, I believe they'll be uh, uh, most likely winners on the day. That's fair. Uh, now, I've spun the wheel for the rest of us lads and for the first time, well, actually, I might have got it last week, actually, but I am up first this week, so I'm very happy. And uh, you I'm not going to... I dig it. So, yeah, I just was about to say because I remember the first few weeks I was like pretty much last every time. So Will was in my favour for the last two weeks. But I'm going to take Man United to beat Fulham at home on the last day of the Premier League season. Uh, United currently played Chelsea, winning 1-0, which would secure them top four. Um, they do have the cup final the week after against Man City. But I think Ten Hag's one of those managers that they'll want to play as strong a squad as possible. They want them to play as well as possible to keep match fit, match sharp, ready for that big cup final. Um, and Man United's home form this season has been absolutely phenomenal for, for the most part. So, yeah, I'll take Man United to beat Fulham on Sunday afternoon. Uh, next up, so, yeah, that is Liverpool and Man United that are gone. And next to pick is Aggie. I am going to go with the only side that I put down to win their respective playoff that still has a chance of doing that. And I'm going to go with Stockport to beat Carlisle at Wembley. Huge playoff final. I'll, I'll be honest, I weren't sure if anyone was going to pick from that. Obviously, just to put it out there, the result has to come in within 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
So if Stockport win in extra time or on penalties, it will count as a loss. But are you confident that the gap between those teams is enough where Stockport will get the job done in 90 minutes? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a surprise that they struggled against Salford to get to this point, to be fair, after the form they've shown towards the back end of the season to get themselves into the playoffs. I think they just missed out on automatic in the end. So, yeah, I think they're going to be good enough to get themselves over the line and get themselves into uh, into League One. That's absolutely fair. And Sam, with a very quick darts update, you are up next, mate. So give us your log and uh, what you're pumping your fists at. <laughs> Just a quick darts update. Obviously, watching the Premier League semi-final, well, final night, but it's the uh, Michael Smith Van Gerwen match, and uh, Michael Smith just broke Van Gerwen. He needed it. It was down by by four, so he's uh, starting to claw claw his way back into into the game. But yes, I'll I'll get to that later. Um, and I am going to go for my lock. Uh, has anybody picked Arsenal? Not yet, mate, no. Then I'll take Arsenal. There you go, Arsenal. It is to get a victory, which will um, mean that they tied their highest ever amount of wins in a Premier League season, should they win at the weekend. So I'm sure they'll want to do that. Uh, and last but not least, for the locks, Kempi, sorry, mate, the world didn't like you this week, but you are up last. Never does. Don't think I've ever been first, to be honest with you, but hey how we move. Um, I'm going to go with... Crystal Palace um, this weekend. Yeah, it's it's a difficult week, probably one of the most difficult weeks to pick. Nottingham Forest are piss poor away from home. And let's be honest, they've just secured survival, so they've probably been on piss all week. So uh, Crystal Palace at home for me. Interesting. Um, so, Josh, we do come back to you. And next up is the scorer category. So the potential for players being rested, uh, you know, up and down, well, certainly the Premier League, especially with teams that don't have anything to play for, but you would think that competitive spirit, wanting to end the season on the high, the extra bit of money for being in certain places as well, I'm sure the majority of teams will as as much as a full-strength side as possible. So who have you got? Who are you confident will let score a goal this weekend? Um, so, again, not, not a great deal of, mag- of imagination going into this one, but um, based on my last um, lock-in, I'm going to go with Mohamed Salah. Um, to score. Um, I've just checked the Premier League table. Uh, Liverpool are locked into fifth place. Um, so there's there's no chance of them dropping or, or gaining a position. However, um, going up against Southampton, I'm pretty sure he will grab a goal this weekend. Interesting. I picked Salah last week and he, he let me down. He got an assist in the last minute for the uh, leaving Bobby Firmino, but anything can happen, mate. And I do think he's gone a couple of games now without a goal after some really good form. So, Yeah, he's 2-1. He, he absolutely is. So, solid pick for me uh, there for, for what you've gone for. Um, next up, Kempi, you were last on the locks, which means you're first on the scorers for the rest of us. Who have you got bagging this weekend? Yeah, that old loaded sport classic of the the, the scorer and the lock um, coming together. Eberechi Eze has just been handed his first international oh. call-up. And uh, as I mentioned earlier about Nottingham Forest being on the piss all week and piss poor away from home, I'm going to go with Eberechi Eze to be my goal scorer this week. Mike, yeah, he was uh, he was on my shortlist purely for that reason. Ten goals this season, been absolutely fantastic, well deserving of that call up. So and uh, it's the last and it's the last listener lock in. So we've got to do the double header. We've got to do the lock and the scorer. It's a staple of the listener lock in. So get it in there one more time. It certainly is, mate. It certainly is. Um, next up, Sam. Yeah. And I'm going to follow suit in... Uh, you know what? I've just done a last-minute swerve, and I'm not actually going to follow suit. I was about to pick... Ooh. I was about to pick Saka for the same reason as Kemp. However, 
I have just had a quick glance and I've seen Aston Villa at home against Brighton and I quickly remember that Ollie Watkins has been snubbed for the England squad. Mm. So I think he's going to have a bit of a chip on his shoulder and I'm going to get, get back him to bag at home against Brighton. Well, we'll, uh, we'll certainly get into that later in the show, but uh, yeah, I, I have to agree there that Watkins being left out considering his form over the last, what, two months or so, you look at Tony being banned from football, he'd got into the last couple of England squads, so certainly a bit of a, an eyebrow raiser that he uh, didn't get the chance to sit on the bench for a couple of games because you know Harry Kane's going to be the one starting. But um, Aggie, you're up next, mate. Ollie Watkins is gone, which I'm sure upsets you for, for your last opportunity to go for him this season. So uh, who have you got instead? No, mate, I've got one name written down and I'm going to follow the same method or the same route that Kemp did and I'm going to go with Paddy Madden to score for Stockport against uh, Carlisle. I think to get themselves over the line, I mentioned already that I think they will, but to do that, they're going to need people that are prolific like Paddy Madden and very experienced in this division and in these sort of occasions. So I think it'll be pivotal that he'll play it. It'll be needed for them. Interesting. Uh, I did look at Madden, but I, I, he's not been in the best of form after starting the season quite hot. So uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll let you have that one, mate. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna complete the I'd say the the quadruple, but it's only three of us that would have gone for it. I'm gonna have to on time the last day of the on the last day of the season and take uh, a scorer to go with my lock. Uh, Marcus Rashford hasn't started tonight, but he has come on in the first half. For Anthony returning from injury. I can see him starting on Sunday just to try and get him back up to full match fitness. So I'll take Rash- Rashford to uh, end his league season on a high and uh, score against Fulham. On to the wild cards. Uh, Josh, the only caveat is that they can't be the bookies' favourites. Who have you got in mind this weekend? So I'm going to go for Brentford to beat Man City uh, this, this weekend. Um, City, the, the, they're away from home. They've wrapped everything up. Um, you saw what happened the other night. Um, I think uh, Brentford pushing for a top seven still will uh, will be uh, uh, very difficult to beat at home. Um, so that's my selection. Fair mate, Brentford is solid. Uh, I'm up first for the wild cards. And I'm going to take West Ham away at Leicester. West Ham haven't got anything to play for. They've got the Europa Conference League final upcoming. But I just think Leicester seem absolutely horrid. I know they got a good result away at Newcastle on, on Monday, but yeah, I'll, I'll take West Ham. Um, up next, Aggie for the wild card. Um, yes, I've been missing it from looking at the darts, but I'm going to go with, hopefully they're still going to be there, and I'm going to go with Bournemouth to win away against Everton. I still think Everton will stay up, because I think the sides that are below them aren't good enough. I think Leicester and Leeds will both drop points, and I think Leeds need to win, is that right? Leeds need to win to stay up, and Everton need to lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think Bournemouth will, will just be able to beat them. I think Everton, whilst they're very good defensively, it just takes one little error and they're so bad attacking that I think Bournemouth will be able to keep a clean sheet comfortably. Fair enough, mate. And uh, yeah, Bournemouth are still available. Would have been funny if I let you do all that and then told you Josh had taken them already. But uh, no, they're there for you to have. Uh, Sam, you're up next, mate. Who's your wildcard? Mr. Wildcard, overtaking Kemp for most successful wildcards on a percentage basis. Who are you closing the season out with? Yeah, so I've not uh, I've not had a chance to really look at the odds properly uh, today, but I'm just looking around at the Leeds Spurs or Newcastle Chelsea. Newcastle have got to be favourites in that Chelsea game. Um, I am gonna go for is that on pick Leeds United? No, uh, I'm gonna pick Leeds at home against Spurs. 
Yeah. I will point out that Chelsea are the favourites against Newcastle, and you know if that sways you at all. But yeah, it does. Then yeah, I'll go. I'll go Newcastle then. Newcastle away at Stamford, Stamford Bridge. Fair. Chelsea absolutely awful. Newcastle on a high after getting Champions League qualification. Why not? Um, so that are the locks, the scorers, and the wild cards. Which Josh... nice one, <laughs> brother. Yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. I literally just scrolled down my list to go to the scores <laughs> and then saw nothing next to your name on the wild card. So, Ken, the previous, the ex, the former Mr. Mm. Wildcard, a mm. little bit of a dip in form on the Jesus. wild cards after a stupendous first 15 attempts at it. I think you were 11, right, four incorrect in the first 15 yeah. goes, but a uh, bit of a dip. But end the season on the high, my friend. Who's the wild card pick this week? Well, what a fall from grace gone from Mr. Wildcard to not even being given the opportunity to pick a wild card. <laughs> that's, that's a massive fall from grace there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I've got two written down. Uh, Leeds and Brighton were my two that I wrote down. Um, when Sam went for Leeds and then I realised that Newcastle were the underdogs, I was like straight on it. But then Sam flippity flipped once again and, and, and went back to the, probably the correct pick. So I'm going to stick with my original first choice, and that's Leeds United. Um, they've got a win to stay up. It's as simple as that. Spurs are pretty pitiful, to be honest with you. And it, it's a bit of a mess, a bit of a circus down at, at White Hart Lane at the moment, or the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, and I think Ellen Road will really, really get behind the lads. So, uh, yeah, Leeds United, I think, will beat Spurs. And then, who knows? If results go the way, they might stay up. But I hope not. But I think they'll, uh, I think they'll win this weekend. Yeah, and we will we'll get into the, the Premier League relegation battle uh, very shortly. But uh, Josh, I will come back to you now, mate. We've got your lock. We've got your score. You've got your wild card. Your three attempts now at a score prediction. And we are going to touch base, get your, I suppose, your opinion on what you think will go down on the last day of the season with the three games that have huge relegation um sort of I, don't, I can't think of the word that I'm ramifications <laughs> ramifications is the word I was looking for Kemp I appreciate that so first up Everton hosting Bournemouth Bournemouth are Aggie's wild card he fancied them getting a result can you see the Chesterfield legend Sean Dash getting Everton the result that they need to survive on the final day yes I can only just though it's going to be a very close game a very cagey affair it might even be a late winner it might go right to the the death of the game, but uh, I'm going to go two on to Everton. Interesting. I like it. Uh, up next is the team that Kemp has gone for as his wild card. Ellen Road, Leeds versus Tottenham. What have you got there? Again, a, a bit of a close game. Tottenham are uh, a bit average at the moment. Um, they've they've uh, not, in the last five, not really, really hit any sort of form. I'm going to go for a one-all draw in this one. Uh, Leeds again very poor, but um, I, I think it's it's going to be one of those games where each team grabs a goal either side of the half. Interesting. And last up is Leicester versus West Ham. Um, I'm going to go for two 0 to West Ham in, in this one. I think Leicester they'll they'll give all they've got, but um, West Ham uh, are just a bit stronger than they are and. Uh, again, Leicester very poor this season. Uh, they'll they'll go down on Sunday, I think. Interesting. So that's your three score predictions alongside uh, Liverpool as your lock, Salah as your scorer, Brentford as your wild card. We will very quickly review that next week, mate. But based on that, we've had a few zeros out of six. We've had quite a lot of ones. We've had a couple of twos and only two threes with Paul and Chris still up there. Nobody has managed to get more than 50%. 
what makes you think that you're going to be that person to finally do it? Well, if, if I get one, I'll be happy. <laughs> but uh, um, who knows? I, I mean, Southampton, I mean, Liverpool to beat Southampton, I, I, I'm pretty confident about that. Um, uh, I can see Salah getting one as well. So I, I'm, I'm hoping for two, but uh, we'll see. We, we sure will, mate. And over the next 72 hours or so, We'll know where you sit on that leaderboard. But before we let you go and enjoy the rest of the uh, evening and we crack on with the rest of the show, we will ask you the question that we ask everybody to close off the listener lock-in. And it is the final one of the season. So we do hope it's going to be a good one, but go with whatever you've got or your heart says. But who is your sporting hero and why? Wow. No surprise to Adam on this one because he already knows what I'm going to say. But um, don't do it. I've been a massive Formula One fan for for the last uh, twelve or so years. <laughs> He's shaking his head, but he knows what I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Lewis Hamilton. I, I know everyone's uh, most people have got uh, an opinion about him, but uh, um, he is undoubtedly a, 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 one of the greats in Formula One and. Um, uh, watching that um, dramatic title race in 2008, that's what really got me hooked into the sport. And um, uh, ever since then, I've, I've just grown to appreci- appreciate all the drivers who competed, uh, including Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso and Max Verstappen. Uh, and, you know, the, the dramatic... Uh, seasons we've had over the years as well uh, I, I just love the strategy elements uh, of each and every race and um, the the fine um, levels of engineering you see it, and the detail on the cars um, so I can go on and on but uh, I'm going to go for Lewis Hamilton as uh, my sporting idol um, obviously the results speak for themselves in what he's achieved and um, uh, what, what he's done for the sport as well. So uh, I, I I think that's a very uh, justified choice, in my opinion. I think so. He is a, <laughs> he is a Sir Lewis Hamilton for a reason, but um, I, I'm not, I don't know if you've seen much about the rumours of a potential move to uh, Ferrari over this last week. I'm not really sure how, how much uh, reality there is to that, but uh, interested whether he'll beat Schumacher's record, I personally don't think so. I think he's, is, is a bit too sort of he's pushing 40 and, and Red Bull are going to dominate for the next few years and I can't see him going there anytime soon but what a career and yeah you're absolutely right a very valid answer to uh, to close off the uh, listener lock-in but Josh thank you very much mate appreciate you joining us uh, I do hope we have a better season next year and, and get promoted back to the Na- uh, to the football league should I say not the National yeah. League but um, yes mate enjoy your evening and thanks again for coming on thank you it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me Cheers, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Cheers, Cheers mate. Thank you. Right then, so get stuck into the football and I suppose there's only one place to start. Manchester City are champions and I think there's only one man that should kick us off with this. It is the man that stuck through by them through thick and thin, no matter how many points they were behind, no matter what was going on with other teams, no matter what kind of dipping form that they had, he did not budge that chair. He did not even lift an inch of his bum cheek from it. And, and yeah, he stuck with them right from the start, right to the end. And Sunday just gone, they uh, lifted the Premier League title. Kempi, 
Manchester City, Premier League champions for the fifth time in six years. Yeah, to quote the great Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Um, again, I, I knew it was coming from Arsenal and, and Arsenal were the only ones really realistically towards the back end of that season that were going to cause Man City any problems. The amount of times we've seen them go 10, 11, 12 games unbeaten towards the back end of the season. Um, and they've done it again. My biggest concern was going to be the, the Champions League and the FA Cup. They're in both of those finals. So I didn't need to concern about that really in the end, did I? But they've got a great squad. They've got a squad now that really looks as though it's together and 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 you struggle to see how Inter Milan or Man United are going to stop them in the respective cup competitions as well, which obviously we will come on to. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I pretty much foresaw this happening. If, if this wouldn't have happened, I would have been very, very shocked. Even though Arsenal were quite a few points clear, as you've just said, I would have been shocked if they would have gone on and done it. So congratulations. It's a testament to Pep Guardiola and his players. I'm not quite sure about how I feel about these comparisons that are coming in between Sir Alex Ferguson and Pep Guardiola. I think it's very different eras, very different time periods and very, very different managers in different scenarios and situations. So why can't we just have a great of that era and a great of this era? And it's it's quite obvious that the great of this era in the Premier League um, is Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. So I suppose the big questions remain now that is he going to win the treble and how long is he going to stay at Man City for? Because, you know, if you win the treble, it, arguably, do you go out on top? So it's going to be a very, very interesting few weeks, most definitely. And uh, obviously, we'll cover all that here on Loaded Sport. How, uh, how, how many uh, league titles will City have won in the last, what? Five in six years. Five in six, five in six the, uh, yeah. To quote the great David Mitchell, are we the farmers? <laughs> <laughs> What's we going on there? Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Your PSG, isn't it? That fucking hell. Yeah, it's, a... it's domination, and some of it comes with money. But you know, full credit to uh, to Pep. You have, you still have to put the tactics together and things like that. We'll we'll conveniently ignore the over one hundred uh, FFP charges that uh, are on their doorstep in the suspended two year ban in the Champions League. But Bastards. I suppose that that'll be for one down the line when it when it goes to court and, and gets investigated. But uh, who knows what could happen? Things like this could be stripped, and Arsenal are given an honorary. Uh, Premier League title, you never know. But uh, yeah, something you said there, Kemp, about this sort of Pep versus Guard, uh, Pep versus Fergie, sorry, argument. Who's the goat? Who's the best manager? And you're absolutely right. I agree with your point about different areas, standards of play, everything, pretty much everything across the board is is completely different and hard to judge without putting them in the same area with the same opportunities and the same resources. It's it's the old MJ versus LeBron argument into it with with basketball. It's different areas. It's hard to say without them playing together in the same circumstances. So yeah, hundred percent agree with you. With give Pep his flowers for what he's doing in this modern era, and give Fergie his uh, for what he what he did in the past. And there's no need to sort of take away from either of them for their achievements. But no, Aggie, there's always going to be but, comparisons. Just before you do move on, there's always going to be comparisons. You look at, at what what Pep achieved with Barcelona, Bayern Munich, now Manchester City, and the style of play probably the most attractive style of play that we've probably ever seen in the Premier League, let's be honest. Um, but then, you know, he didn't get Aberdeen to break up Rangers and Celtic. He didn't win the European Cup Winners' Cup with Aberdeen and then come to Man United, who were languishing in mid-table and then build a dynasty. So it's just a pointless conversation whereby you're never going to come to an agreement, you're never going to come to a measurable result. 
Um, it's not like you can say between, oh, who's better between Pep and Klopp? You know, ultimately, with with what's happened, you could probably say that Pep is probably the better better manager. It's not the same thing. So you're absolutely right. Different areas, different styles of play, different environments. Um, let's just appreciate Pep for what he is, because, like I said, just alluded to there. I'm not sure he's going to be uh, going to be around for too much longer. So let's just appreciate him for what he is here and now in the moment. I suppose that's a good talking point for next week because we'll we'll be right on the cusp of the uh, FA Cup final. So yeah, I've not seen anything in terms of questioning Pep's future, but it's always a conversation in in NFL into an aging quarterback or an aging coach gets that last bit of glory. When do you leave? And I suppose that's the same for across all sports as a as someone approaches the end of their career or the potential end of their career, if they do achieve the best thing they can achieve in that sport, do they step away? So I suppose it's an interesting conversation to have over the next week or two because you would assume he wouldn't retire, but where does he go next? Does he go to a PSG to finally get them their Champions League champ- title, which was obviously the main goal at City once they started winning Premier League? So yeah, it would be a, a very interesting to see, but I personally don't think he'll, he'll move, although... Yeah, I agree. What else is there for him to do if he does win the treble? Just before uh, we do move on, um, you, I think Sam mentioned a few weeks ago when we were talking about the treble potentially. Uh, did you mention the FA Cup final was after the Champions League, did you think? Yeah. It isn't. FA Cup it's final, a- no, FA Cup final's on the 3rd of June uh, and the Champions League final's on the 10th. Oh, okay. I did think Fair it was enough. odd, and I just I just had a quick look just to make sure that obviously my dates are right. But yeah, um, FA Cup final next weekend, and then Champions League final the following weekend. So, a couple of a uh, couple of potentially heavy nights for Man City. So we'll see. Sorry, Dawson. Are you right, mate? Aggie, you were you were the one that wraps you were Mister Arsenal. If anyone was last season, you were Lord in the signing of Gabriel Jesus in the summer, and I suppose him bringing a bit of title run experience with him being at City for the last few seasons. So. Ultimately, it was wrong. Ultimately, I was wrong moving my chair. Where do you think, and I know we spoke about it with Delhi, but where do you think was sort of the missing piece or the pieces that City had that got them over the line and, and bridged the gap that was there a few months ago? I think squad depth is the big difference. Man City are in all these competitions, but even their bench looks stronger than half, if not more than half of the Premier League sides. You'd be able to start them in those sort of sides. So the squad depth that City has is remarkable. Arsenal, they're a young side that don't have that sort of experience. And I think it was Sam that mentioned it last week that players like Saka that last year, maybe the year before, were constantly getting booked for silly things, maybe even sending off, that now they've got a bit more experience under their belt playing on the international stage as well. It's a different story. So for Arsenal, they are a young side that have a a big future. I think that's what really let them down this season. You shouldn't be having an eight. I think at one point they even had a 12-point lead over Manchester City. You shouldn't be having them sort of leads and throwing them away, regardless of who it is that you're up against. And it's not a case of I didn't move my chair because I didn't believe that Man City could win 12 to 15 games in a row. I know Kemp's just mentioned that they did. But it was more of I don't think Arsenal would have fallen off the the lead that much. I know what City are capable. I know how good City can be. But it's also a case of I thought Arsenal were good enough to keep themselves going. And I think now that experience that they've got and experience that Arteta's got, will help them moving forward. And hopefully, we're going to have another Arsenal-Manchester United series too, which is going to be Arsenal-Man City. And for years to come now, we've got two sides, two managers. Arteta's obviously learnt from Pep as well. So a lot of what he's been doing and bringing to Arsenal is what Man City have had for the last five, six years. So hopefully, we've got a bit of a future now where at the top, the Premier League is going to be competitive. You know from our conversations about Formula 1, I hate these sort of things when they're not competitive. 
And when Man City have been walking the league and they've been close on occasion with Liverpool, now Arsenal have stepped up the game and they've got this sort of step in place now that for next season, they make the right signs. I know they've been looking at Wright. I know they've been looking at a few players to maybe help uh, bolster out that midfield and a couple of more centre-halves as well. I think you're looking for a very good uh, very good side. And that's the thing, Dad, just before you do come back in, Dawson, just very quickly, that's that's the thing that Arsenal need to do for me to get themselves back in that situation. Said it to Delhi last week, but, you know, they, they lost Saliba and then after that they absolutely fell apart, capitulated. Yeah. And you can't lose one player like that and just completely capitulate for the rest of the season. It's not what champions are made of. The amount of injuries that City have had this season, they've had to do without De Bruyne for a few games. They've had to do without a few players for a few games this season, and they've, they've kept it going. They've kept that momentum going as, as, in any way that they can. So if, if Arsenal are going to do anything, Kroenke needs to get his, his hand in his back pocket, and he needs to make sure he's got reinforcements for these boys, because they've got a fantastic young squad, but they need bolstering, especially if they're going to compete you know, across different fronts as well, like Man City have. Sam, I'm going to come to you for the other end of the table because that is where there is still something to play for with these last games of the season. Currently, as it stands, Leeds in 19th on 31 points, Leicester in 18th on 31 points, Everton in 17th on 33 points. So Everton do have the upper hand with that two-point gap. Do you think it is Leicester, Leeds, Southampton that are going to end up going down or do you think one of them can get a result? Everton do fall against uh, Bournemouth, as Aggie predicted earlier, and uh, someone managed to escape on the final day. Yeah, I'm just uh, just looking at the table now, and um, I can't really see it changing too much, to be honest. Leicester, I think they're at uh, home against West Ham, so it's definitely a winnable game for them, and uh, Everton at home against Bournemouth. So I think I think Everton will beat Bournemouth on, on the final day, but um, uh, I think that'll be... I'll be the nail in, in the rest of the team's coffin, to be fair. So I can't see it personally changing much um, from from now until you know Sunday. So I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's uh, that, that's set. So naturally, get your money on uh, the complete opposite happening because I do like to jinx it, don't I? You do, and that's where the money is to be made this season. But yeah. Everton, two points clear. You've got to expect them to get a result. The The goal difference is pretty similar across the board. I think looking at it, Everton have scored quite a few less goals than Leeds and Leicester, but they've conceded a lot less as well. So I think a draw should be enough for them. But again, anything can happen. It is on Sunday. So Aggie, any given Sunday, uh, Sean Dash was brought in to do a job and, and this was the job that he's one game away from achieving. So be interesting to see if they keep him on and what next year looks like for them. A team like Leicester who have got very good players up and down the team, players like Tillmans, players like Madison, who have been linked for a couple of years now at least of, of bigger moves. So you would you would assume that they would end up leaving on, on less money than Leicester would have hoped for. But uh, look, anything can happen on Sunday and, and we'll be here to review it next week. But um, moving on very quickly, it's not just the Premier League that is in action. We have got the three league playoff finals over this weekend. We start on Saturday. Uh, Wembley, of course, for all three. But Saturday, we have got Coventry versus Luton, a brand new championship playoff final and one which I'm sure many football fans are, are looking forward to seeing. Coventry haven't been in the Premier League for many, many years now. You're looking at the late 90s, the players like Mustafa Hadji, um, sort of Robbie Keane as well back in the day. It's been a long time since they've been in the Premier League. And Luton as well, you know, we see it pretty much every single year, this time of year, where Luton are in and around the playoffs pictures of their of their stadium 
you know, in and amongst the estate. And can you imagine this being in the Premier League? Can you imagine the type of players that are going to have to come and walk through back gardens to get in and all that kind of stuff? So Coventry versus Luton on the Saturday, absolutely disgustingly. League two is then up next on the Sunday, Carlisle against Stockport. And then the playoffs close off with a big Yorkshire derby, Barnsley against Sheffield Wednesday. And we went through our predictions uh, a couple of weeks ago and obviously a lot of changes, a lot has happened. That Sheffield Wednesday comeback is, a, is an all-time playoff game. But just very quickly around the room, now we have got the finalists. Let me get your predictions from you. So um, just literally, we'll, we'll start with the, with Saturday's game. Actually, no, we'll go back to front. We'll go League 2 to, to Championship. So first of all, League 2. Carlisle versus Stockport. Round the room, I'll start. I've got Stockport winning that. I said Stockport to get promoted, so uh, I do think they'll have enough to beat Carlisle. Aggie, what you got there? Same, I'm going Stockport. I mentioned it earlier when we're doing the locks. I mentioned it at the beginning that I think they've been in too good a form to be able to drop off just at the final point. And I think the experience that they've got in the squad will really help get over the line. That's fair. Kemp, who have you got? Stockport or Carlisle for the playoff final? Yeah, I'm going to stick with my original prediction for the playoffs in League 2, Stockport County. That's fair. And Sam, you went for Salford in the, the League Two predictions. I Are you going to go with the team that beat them in Stockport or do you think Carlisle could get a shot? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go for the shock and I'm going to go for Carlisle just to be a little bit different. Um, Saggy. I've got uh, <laughs> I've got absolutely no reason uh, no reason to pick them. I, t- I told you in a couple of episodes prior that League Two has been the one year one league I haven't really paid much attention to this year. But just for the sake of the being the lone wolf, I will uh, I will back Carlisle. I'm going to back them to win three two. I'll even put a score to it. Like it and lone wolf. Oh, so League One and Kemp. I'll leave you till the end for obvious reasons. But Sheffield Wednesday against Barnsley. Barnsley were in great form, but if you look at their very recent form, it's not been too great. And Sheffield Wednesday taking out that 4-0 first leg defeat have been in fantastic form after the wheels were wobbling a little bit. So I am going to go with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I, I did. They were my prediction when, when we did them a couple of weeks ago, so I'll stick with them for now, especially confidence has got to be so high after that second leg um, game uh, the, the other day. But Sam, where are you going for that one? Yeah, same as you, mate. I uh, I also backed Chef Wednesday from the the start of the playoffs. Um, must admit, after the first leg, I thought I'd be having to jump ship and pick a new team. But no, they're still in it, so I've got absolutely no reason to shift off them now. So yeah, I'll I'll be with you. I'll be sticking with Chef Wednesday. Why not, Aggie? What have you got for that? I did go Bolton originally because of uh, Ian Ebbett being the manager, but I'm going to go with Sheffield Wednesday. I think the heart and the desire that they've shown in that second leg is something that you need to get out of this sort of division. They, they played really well in the second half of the season. I think at one point they were the most informed team in the country. So, yeah, I think now that they seem to have found that little bit of a rhythm again in the second leg against Peterborough, they'll go on and believe that they can do this. And uh, Kempe, a team that you don't like too much for gambling reasons, Barnsley, against the team that you were well and truly enjoying the wheels falling off. Do Barnsley get the win on um, Sunday, sorry, Monday or are the wheels firmly back on and Sheffield Wednesday? become the uh, make sure the championship is not without a team from Sheffield next year yeah my uh, my heart says Barnsley my head says Sheffield Wednesday after obviously what they did that miracle at Hillsborough that they had uh, last week it was a fantastic performance from them a fair play to them they got to the final and when it's heart and head you know they always do say go with your head don't they which is why I'm fuck that I'm going with Barnsley <laughs> come on Barnsley Oh, oh, all the way. Barnsley are going to do it. And Sheffield Wednesday are going to be two divisions below Sheffield United for the first time in my entire life. So, uh, yeah, Barnsley to win. Come on, Barnsley. 
if it's ever going to happen uh, then next season is the one so yeah, you need a Barnsley win there and I've, I've heard rumours and we'll get into weekend plans at the end of the show but I've heard rumours that you're uh, making a quick trip to Barnsley Superstore over the weekend for the shirt ready for Monday's kickoff. but don't spoil it if you are or not just yet um, and last but not least before we move on to international football it is the richest game in football it is Coventry versus Luton Luton beating Sunderland 4-1 on aggregate to reach Wembley, Coventry beating the favourites Middlesbrough 1-0 on aggregate to get to the final. Both teams in fantastic form, but all of that counts for nothing over 90 minutes at Wembley and potentially more for a place in the Premier League. Sam, I'm going to start with you, mate. If this, for me, is such a wild card game and for me as a football fan looking in, it's going to be such a great atmosphere because these are two teams that probably didn't see themselves in this position anytime soon. Luton, five promotions are on for in the past nine seasons. Both of them five years ago were in League Two. What a game and what an occasion for the fans and the clubs. Unbelievable. I don't think we've ever had a, a championship playoff game like playoff final like this. Just like you say, one one game that I really can't call. Two sets of fans that are going to be, as, as you rightfully say, Absolutely ecstatic, making all the noise. It's it's a rare occasion. Well, you say it's a rare occasion. Obviously, with that many promotions in that, that amount of time, I guess it's not playing at Wembley for him. It's like a second home. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's. I never. I'd like to meet the man that predicted this playoff championship playoff final at the beginning of the season because, I mean, Luton, as you say, their infrastructure around the club is just absolute madness to think that that could be a Premier League ground. Um, And Coventry, from where they were, especially at the start, even at the start of the season, it was really fresh. There was, you know, didn't have a a home to play in and everything was a bit up in the air with the club and and look at them now, one one 90-minute game away, potentially, if it's not each time, to uh, make into the big time. I don't know who I, I really can't pick it, and I'm, you're going to push me to pick one. So I am going to go with Coventry. I'm going to go with Coventry for the win, and I, I, I'm not basing that on on anything other than just a pure gut feeling. Yeah, and you went for Sunderland with the original predictions, and I went for Middlesbrough. Um, you've gone for the team that knocked out Middlesbrough and I'm going to go for the team that knocked out Sunderland. This, I 100% agree with everything you've just said there. I'm not basing it on ever, anything. Yes, Luton had the more, I suppose, um, positive result on, on aggregate with that 4-1 victory over um, Sunderland. But Middlesbrough, you know, we know the form they've been in. We've spoke about them enough this season. They were the favourites in Coventry, closed them off, didn't concede a goal from them in two games. But honestly this is a pure flip of the coin and I'm going with Luton purely because the meme that we see every single season will actually come to life and we can we can see it for what it is so that's literally what I'm basing that reason on but uh, Kempi who have you got mate Rich's game in football Coventry versus Luton who do you see coming out on top and being the 20th team in the Premier League next season yeah so at the start of the playoff predictions I had Stockport to go up from League 2 I had Barnsley to go up from League 1 and I had Coventry to go up from the Championship all three of the teams that I picked are in their respective finals. So I'm going to go with Coventry. Of course I am. I've got to stick with my original predictions. If I get all three of those right, I'll be the happiest man in the world. Uh, and that Kevin Keegan shout will be truly forgotten forever. Um, but oh, I'm not this, sure about that, mate. I'm not sure oh, about it will. that. Oh, it will. It will. <laughs> oh, it will. I'll be sure he will. I'm sure there'll be many people in the group chat, mate, that will not let you forget that, no matter how many Oh, it's fine. You it's fine. I'm, I'm still spot on. I'm still spot on about it. Long, up the Keegan. Long live, long live the King. Um, but no, for me, this is exactly the reason that something like the Super League 
really pisses me off because, yeah. look, you've just mentioned it there. I don't need to go into the statistics again. Five years ago, the Coventry and Luton were both in League Two. They've worked the way, they've climbed the way up through the pyramid. They're both in a really, really good position now to be playing at the top level, dining at the top table of English football. Um, and what a story it is for either team, for both teams. You know, even to be there in the first place is, is a massive story. But obviously one of those teams and one of these uh, these these good clubs will be in the Premier League next season. Um, they'll be in the promised land and, and fair play to both of them because they deserve it. And it's fantastic that clubs that have worked hard, grafted and shown real grit and determination to get to where they need to be, finally have the chance to, to to prove their mettle against the best teams in the country. Long live the English football pyramid and the 92, um, and hopefully long live Coventry City's uh, promotion chances. So, uh, yeah, Coventry City for me. Whoever wins, what a story. And Aggie, what a story. Two, two for Coventry, one for Luton. Are you making it a one-sided affair with the predictions, or are we sitting on the fence heading into Saturday? We are sitting on the fence. I'm going to go with Luton to win against Coventry. You mentioned about how both sides were in League Two. You're absolutely right. But the season before that, Luton was on a minus 30 um, point start to the season. Of course, they got relegated off the back of that due to financial troubles. They managed to solidify themselves, keep themselves going. And I think they got promoted out of League Two the same year as we got relegated out of League Two, which is always nice to remember. But I think either side deserves this. That they've absolutely catapulted. They've done exactly what football's about. They've upset the odds. They've, they've, like you said, Middlesbrough against Sunderland is what most, if not all, people had on their uh, their, their expectations for the the playoff final. Um, but I think yeah, Luton, Luton will go away and win it. And I'd like to see, like you say, with the old, uh, with Kenilworth Road, isn't it, with the the back garden leading into some into the uh, the stadium. It'd be nice to uh, nice to see that. Yeah, absolutely. So 50-50 split on the Champions uh, Championship uh, playoff. But again, we'll be back next week, lads, episode 51, and we will know who will have got promoted. And I'm sure Kent will be very happy if Barnsley is one of them. Um, so that's domestic football. That's what this weekend looks like. And uh, as we move into the summer, domestic, well, after we move over this weekend, domestic football will be finished. And we'll have a little bit of international football filtered in within our summer. And uh, it was announced this week the latest England squad for their two games coming up in June. Sam, you were quite eager to discuss the the announcement. Was it going to be same old, same old? Was it going to be a case of players that have been right on the cusp of getting a call up and in great form, getting a chance? Were players that have been a mainstay within the England squad over the last few years who haven't really been in great form have been dropped? I think it's a bit of a mix of the two, but where do you stand on the uh, on the overall squad announcement? Yeah, it's um, not very inspiring for me. Um, glad to see the back of Eric Dyer, um, Calvin Phillips. I mean, come on, how, how is he? How is he getting in that team? He's played a handful of minutes for City all year. Um, just looking around it now. I mean, Maguire. I'm not even going to discuss Maguire because I kind of get up uh, guessing why he's in that squad. He's obviously one of Gareth Southgate's favourites, and I would I know he plays well for England, so I'm going to skip over Maguire for now. But the fact that the likes of Ollie Watkins, uh, Morgan um, Gibbs White, Horist, I don't know how them pair have been been left out, and uh, the, the likes of Jordan Henderson, Connor Gallagher, um, Calvin Phillips. For me, n- none of them should be anywhere near that squad anymore. So. Yeah, it's it's a bit uninspiring. Obviously, uh, Pope's picked up an injury, so uh, Sam Johnson's coming. And uh, looking at keepers as well, do you know for a fact Jordan Pickford's going to be um, going to be starting? He's had a, I mean, he's had a decent run for Everton, but the, you know they're in a relegation scrap. Aaron Ramsdale for me has to be England's number one. 
for a start. And I, I, I think it's been fantastic this season uh, for Arsenal. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know if any any man. There's probably one man in England that that uh, would put Jordan Pickford over him, and it's it, unfortunately it is the manager. So um, yeah, I, I um, it's uninspired. It's to be expected. We all we've all kind of grew a little bit tired of Southgate. I think it's fair to say Kemp was the first one to you know fall on fall into that category. I just think he's just starting to make the same same picks over and over again, and with the sp- the odd sprinkling of of new blood coming in. But I just think he's um, he's not going far enough with it for me. Yeah, and you talk about new blood there. You put out on Twitter about who hasn't been in the squad where we're looking at, and, and I commented saying about Eberichi Ize for Palace, their their number ten. Fantastic story. He got released by Arsenal, released by Tottenham, released by a couple of Championship clubs, including uh, Millwall. Uh, joined QPR, had a fantastic season, and then he, he signed for Palace, and he's been fantastic. Ten goals, multiple assists. He's, he leads the league in, in take-ons in, when it comes to his dribbling, and he's, he really deserves, I'm really happy to see him in the squad. And another player, Levi Colwell for, for Brighton. Brighton have been fantastic. I know a lot of people weren't sure what kind of downfall they might have after Graham Potter went to Chelsea, um, but they've been absolutely fantastic. They've secured European football. Uh, and Colwell, who's 20 years old, if you look at his highlights, He's, he's, he's so calm when he gets the ball. He's not afraid to have the ball at his feet. He's a really good passer. He's left-footed as well. So, you know, someone like him and Stones at that centre-back, I, I can't see why when we're playing teams like a North Macedonia, something like that can't be given a chance. He's only 20 years old. Um, and, and it's got to be slightly disheartening when we seem to be falling back into that thing that we, we seem to be coming away from over the last few years of just players that have been in the squad over form at the time. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Players like Watkins, players like Colwell as well, and other players, when they see players like Calvin Phillips, who's hardly played for City this year, Conor Gallagher has been a part of an absolutely dreadful Chelsea team. Done nothing all year. Yeah, so uh, it's got to be disheartening. But the good thing is, is there is that young crop who I think once these players like Henson's, like your Maguire's, Eric Dyer's that you mentioned that have, have now moved moved away, once they start moving away, we, we do seem to have a really good sort of young bud that are ready to take their place. So that's something to look forward to. But I, I, I am sort of urging on or verging on the opinion that as long as Southgate's the man there, then he'll, he'll hold on to them as, as long as possible. And I suppose that brings in Kemp, who has been the biggest uh, person against Southgate over the last few years, despite the positive performances in, in tournaments. The big thing during the golden generation, and, and certainly after that, as we were in the 2010s, where sticking with players that weren't in the best form at club level and players were really performing at the club couldn't get a sniff in. They might get called up into the squad, but they weren't seeing many minutes on the actual pitch when it came down to it. Are we getting back into that mindset and, and you know, what does that look like for our future with a big tournament coming up next year when it comes to finally getting over the line? Do we have to start bringing in this new build? Where do you sit with that? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned um, after the last tournament that I was apathetic towards England again. Um, Southgate, to his credit, in 2018, really got me feeling back patriotic, as he did everybody for England. Um, but unfortunately for me, didn't build upon that. Um, the World Cup came around and we were pretty average in that at best. Euros, again, we got to the final, but should be should have beaten Italy on the day. And again, I'm just, after the last few, a couple of tournament performances, um, every time we come up against a side that we, we, we might not beat, we don't beat them. Um, and again, I'm, I'm completely apathetic for international football now. 
I really couldn't give less of a toss about it. And, and unfortunately, Gareth Southgate is the man that's made me feel like that. Um, when this squad was announced, exactly the same as Sam. It's exactly what I expected. I expected nothing better from him. A couple of bright sparks in there, Eze, as you mentioned. And it's nice to see that he's getting his chance. I, I like the fact that Gwehi's in there as well. Um, but apart from that, pretty uninspiring, pretty, pretty boring. Um, how Harry Maguire, Jordan Henderson, Conor Gallagher, how these players are still getting in the side when they're not even getting starts for their club. They're not even getting starts for their club and they're in the England side again and again and again. Calvin Phillips is the biggest one that, that you know, barely played a, a minute for City all season. Maybe not his fault, but ultimately there's at least 10, 15 players maybe in the under-21 setup, including Morgan Gibbs-White, as Sam's just said, that that would that, be a shout in that position instead. So, yeah, apathy towards England right now. Malta and North Macedonia, our under-17s could probably beat them. So while we're playing these these stalwarts and the Jordan Hendersons, who are great to have around the camp, um, I don't get it. I'll never get it. And again, until Gareth Southgate's out the door, to be honest with you, mate, I couldn't give a toss. I've got a question for you, uh, Aggie, um, on, on this one. I'm just going to bring you in. Um, Fikayo Tamori, obviously another <laughs> high-profile casualty of the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, is last we've seen of him was a two-legged uh, Champions League semi-final against um, against Inter Milan. He um, he didn't really cover himself in much grace, but he is starting. He's starting in these high-pedigree, high-stakes games. And then you compare it to a Harry Maguire, who's not seen a, a minute of football at centre-back. Tyrone Mings, who's obviously part of a Villa team that's that's doing quite well, actually. So I'll, I'll, I'll skip over him. Uh, but yeah, what's what's your opinion on, on particularly Tamori in his omission? Do you think the mistakes are made in the Milan? Do you think that's probably hindered his uh, selection or, or what? Where do you stand on that? No, I think Southgate's hindered his selection. I think... in. Yeah, he had bad games in the Champions League, but I think in general he's been an incredible player for them this season and he's been kind of like a standout player in Serie A for the last couple of seasons. So he deserves to be in that squad. We already know looking at that squad what the lineup's going to be. I personally would put him in Harry Maguire. I don't have Harry Maguire in that squad at all. But Lewis Dunk, good to see him in there. Tyrone Mings, two players that, like you say, have been performing quite well at club level, so they deserve the call-ups. I think we can look at that and say, for the game against Malta at the very least, we know exactly what that lineup's going to be. And it's going to be the exact same lineup that is used for the last couple of games. And this is like what you three have already said. We need to start experimenting a little bit because we're all right bringing some of these younger players in. But what happens when we have the inevitable group of older generation decide to retire? We've then got youngsters with absolutely no experience all coming in because all they've done is sat behind these strikers and, and not really had a chance to go out there on the pitch. Players um, like Ollie Watkins that, that should be called up for England at the moment whilst he's in this sort of form. I think up until, what, two weeks ago, he was the most informed striker in the Premier League. Doesn't get called up for his country. Uh, taking nothing away from Harry Kane, of course, I think he's second to only Erling Ireland in the Premier League goal-scoring list. Callum Wilson's has been in a bit of good form himself. Um, do you think? Um, do you think it is Callum Wilson who's probably uh, pipped him to that spot? Because obviously we all know Kane's the you know the number one striker. No, that's never going to change. Um, it's always that number two striker. Obviously, for a while it were um, uh, Everton striker. Go on, what's his? Calvert Lewin. Calvert Lewin for a couple of years there, but he's he's fell well down the pecking order with injuries. Callum Wilson, I think it'd be fair to say, if you remove maybe the last ten games, I think Ollie Watkins is is probably getting picked in that squad. But because of because of Cal- Cal- uh, 
Callum Wilson's recent form, I, I, I think he's probably pipped him to that spot. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think he fell off a of form just at the time that Callum Wilson kind of came in. And that Newcastle side have been very good. And I think that's why I'd, I'd even consider maybe moving Trippier up in the pecking order within this squad because I think he's been outstanding for Newcastle. He's been kind of like a, a revelation for them. And it was only the other day when I was going through the football cards that I've got that I realised they actually used to play for Burnley as well. Completely forgot about yeah. that. Completely, yeah. Uh, I think um, I think Kieran Trippier at right back is 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 a must against these two types of opposition, Malta and Macedonia. Someone we're going to have plenty of the ball. Someone who's can take a terrific free kick. Kyle Walker is is let's be fair. Is I mean I've literally gone on record saying his best English right back we've ever had. But again, in these sort of games, is not needed. Is is not needed. Where is is that one on one specialist where you need a, you know an Mbappe going past him? We're going to have. 80% minimum of the, of the possession in both of these games and that's for me when a, when a, a Kieran Trippier it would probably come uh, come better in that sort of uh, in that sort of fixture what do you reckon yeah no I have to agree Trippier's been in great form and Walker what's the point in in wasting him uh, like in in these sort of games this is exactly the point though there's number of players here Pickford Walker um, Maguire Stones we don't even need to be calling these players up we don't even need them in this squad for these two games. Like Kemp said, the under-17s could probably do a job and get the wins against Malta and North Macedonia, respectively. But we don't need these sort of players. Harry Kane, just let them go and enjoy the summer. We don't need them at this point. Save them for October whenever we do the next set of uh, European qualifying games. But it's just sticking with what he knows. Too too scared to break the rhythm. Conor Gallagher, I don't even think he plays for Chelsea, does he? He, he literally sits no. on the bench. He just... It, it, it does play a bit bit part, but as Dawson said, that Chelsea team doing it. I must admit, I don't quite agree with you in the fact that these players shouldn't be called up at all. I think the Kyle Walkers and Keynes, I think I think they should be around the squad because this, they are the core members of the squad. And I think you bring in them young players like Eze through, and I think they need that, and they need to see that structure of the national side there. And I just don't think I don't think you want to be you know overhauling the squad for two games and then all of a sudden we've qualified and we've just got a bunch of individuals together. We need to get this team. We need to get this team together. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at Kemp and uh, Kemp and Dawson. I think they're going a bit mad with darts here. So uh, yeah, but uh, no, I, I disagree to an extent. I don't, I don't think um, I don't think you should be dropping them completely. But uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. There's, there's other players that definitely need more minutes. And with uh, with it being Malta in North Macedonia, as I said, there's absolutely no reason why Macaulay Langstaff should not be in that no, squad and getting a few minutes. So, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so that's uh, domestic football and international football. We will be back next week to uh, fully preview those two games. They start on Friday, so we'll have, we'll have a, a bit of a better idea about potential starting lineups and, and what we think will happen over those games. So join us next week for full preview of those two games. But. Uh, Next up is usually Kempi's combat corner, but I think with, uh, Sam just mentioned the darts there, with the absolute steamrolling juggernaut that this game seems to be going at, I think it'd be a, a, a good time to bring it in before it's all said and done. So, uh, Sam, very quickly talk us through the semi-finals and, and where we sit currently with, with where the finals are. Yeah, so the, the semi-finals, uh, Gary Price absolutely at the ground running and just blew away his Welsh counterpart uh, 10-2. Poor Johnny Clayton, uh, he just did not get a look in whatsoever, missing some pretty basic darts. Uh, and then in the other semi-final, uh, that sort of heated up towards the back end of it. Michael Smith didn't really get going until probably three quarters of the way through, and that finished uh, 10-8 to, to Van Gerwen. But yeah, as I say, Michael Smith, you could tell he was really frustrated with his performance. 
far from his best darts is thrown. And uh, Van Gerwen, as, as Kemp has uh, mentioned before, once it, once it gets going, he turns into that bit of a machine. And he, uh, he did manage to put him to the sword towards the end. Absolutely, and uh, Van Gerwen. I, I know. Uh, I know. I moved away last week, but he was my pre-tournament pick, and it does look like at the moment he's very comfortably beating uh, Gerwin Price. But uh, there's still plenty of time. It is first to eleven. Van Gerwen's got seven on the board, so Price has still got a shot. But I'm sure. And also, we can, I, want, uh, I want your two's opinions on that, by the way, Dawson and Adam. I'm I, I'm not quite sure about this. I'm thinking that Dawson, if MVG does win this, I'm thinking Dawson is going to take a. Uh, credit, and I think he's going to take bigger claims. Damn right, Sam and Adam, and I think I, I want this opinion from both of you. What are your thoughts on that? Seeing as though Dawson did move his chair before the finals once again, you can't do it, can you? You can't do it now. Fair, fair, I know what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You carry on, on, mate. You carry on. on. I know what yeah. I know. What, I know. What I'll say what I think I'll do in the, with this in mind. If it is acceptable, I think I'm going to either pick City, Arsenal, Man United, or Newcastle next season for title. And then if any well, of them win, me lumping on Liverpool. I think I'll take that one if I think they win. Yeah. Adam, what are your thoughts on that? Acceptable or not? Unbelievable. That just asked my opinion and talked over me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were finished, mate. Carry on. That's all right. Now I'm done, mate. Okay, Adam. He said that he said I can have it because it was a pre-tournament pick, and is I'm that what he said? Because well, because mm, I was the only one that picked him. Not sure mm. about that. Worth the word, mate, to debate him. Watch it back when it's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Adam? Uh, No, mate, he he can't claim it. Just like he's not claiming the fact that he called uh, Man City before moving his chair across to Arsenal, he's not going to claim Van Gogh when we're moving his chair across to somebody else. To be fair, he can have Man City City one because I picked that one as well. No, I just think (laughs) he's got to be consistent with his picks, hasn't he? If he picks at somebody, stick by him, or if you move, stick by whoever you move to. Oh, shut up, lads. Uh, but anyway, that's our <laughs> update. And I'm sure by the time we finish recording this episode, it will be all said and done. And either Kempe can uh, load in the fact that Gerwin Price has made a massive comeback, or I got the I was the only one to get it right pre-tournament, which you can't argue with that, lads, regardless of what happened last week. But uh, let's get stuck into Kempe's combat corner. We've got a couple of reviews. We've got a couple of previews. Kemp, talk us through what's happening in the combat world. Yeah, as I mentioned last week on Kempi's Combat Corner, um, it was going to be a really, really big weekend for boxing. And it was. Um, Sort of getting the bad taste of KSI and all the YouTube crap out your mouth um, and getting yourself stuck into some real good, high-quality boxing. And that's exactly what we got. Katie Taylor against Chantelle Cameron, um, probably the biggest women's fight um, in the history of, of, of the sport, potentially second to Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor. But Katie Taylor, no doubt, is the biggest star in, in women's boxing. Um, and she uh, was up against Chantel Cameron this last weekend in Dublin, her homecoming fight. And um, I did predict that Chantel Cameron would, would win, and she did. I, I quite wrongly predicted that she stopped her in the 11th, though, uh, as the fight was only scheduled for 10. However, if it would have gone 11 rounds, I think Chantel Cameron would have would have done it. But hey-ho, Chantel Cameron did win on a points decision. A lot of people had it close. Um, I think it was a majority decision, 96-94, uh, 96-94 and 95 apiece. I must admit, I did have that a little bit more in Chantel Cameron's favour. I had 97-93 to uh, Chantel Cameron against Katie Taylor. But what a fight. Chantel Cameron was the bigger woman going into the fight and she made her presence known. Really boxing on the front foot, pressure, pressure, pressure from the very, very beginning. Katie Taylor didn't really know what to do with her. Um, and after the first couple of rounds, she, she looked tired, she looked gassed in there, which is really not like Katie Taylor if you've seen one of her performances before. Even Eddie Hearn, her promoter, the CEO of Matchroom Boxing, 
Um, they did say that, that Katie Taylor looked a little bit tired in that second and third round. Um, again, which is which is very unlike Katie Taylor in the 10 two-minute round. So a fantastic fight, a great advert for women's boxing, a fantastic atmosphere in uh, in Dublin, even though a few of the hometown fighters, three of the last, well, all three of the last three fights that went on the card, um, Irish fighters, unfortunately, didn't come out with the win. So tough night for some, some fighters in Dublin, especially Gary Cully, who... Uh, Suffered a really, really tough and, and damaging defeat in uh, in the um, in, in the event. Um, he, he was coming up against a fighter that he probably definitely wanted, thought he should have he should have won. Um, but it is what it is in boxing. Anything can happen. You get hit, um, and like Lana Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. Jose Felix knocked him out pretty convincingly, um, and Gary Cully is now going to have to really rebuild himself because if you are getting knocked out against the likes of Jose Felix, who is a bit of a journeyman really, lost three of his three of his last three fights before Gary Cully, then you're probably not going to be at world level, which is where Gary Cully wants to be. So big rebuilding job needs to be done there, but, but take nothing away from Jose Felix. And take nothing away from Katie, uh, Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron, who, like I say, had a fantastic fight. Majority decision in the way of um, Chantel Cameron, and it looks as though the rematch will happen. Um, whether that will happen in the UK or whether that will happen in Dublin, who knows? Um, but it'll be a fantastic fight either way, and I'm sure I will tune into that one as I tuned into this. And it's great that women's boxing is 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 at the stage that it is now. If you said ten years ago to me that it'd be selling out Madison Square Garden and it'd be the biggest thing in boxing, you know, on on a Saturday night. I wouldn't believe you, but here we are. Um, moving over now to sort of later on Saturday night into the early hours of Sunday morning and uh, a fight that caused some real big debate in, in our group chat, ourselves offline. Um, Devin Haney against Vasil Lomachenko. What a fight, what a close fight. I've watched this fight two or three times and I think I changed my scorecard every single time I've watched it. I first watched it and had it down as a draw. I then watched it again and I had it down as a, a, a slight win for Lomachenko. Um, and then I've watched it again today and I'm undecided. Um, what an unbelievable fight. I said that it was going to be elite level boxing. You know, these two are the highest level of boxing in the world today. Um, and they proved it over the weekend. A lot of people complaining, a lot of people saying that Vasily Lomachenko was robbed. Um, I'm not quite sure I subscribe to that narrative. Um the scorecards read 116, 112, 115, 113, and 115, 113 to uh, Devin Haney. Um, again, it's interesting to look at the scorecards, and there's definitely some issues with with, with scoring and judging in, in boxing and in MMA for that matter, in the sense that, excuse me, in the 10th round, Vasily Lomachenko really did have Devin Haney, it looked like, on the ropes. Um, and one of the judges did give that round to Devin Haney, which I wasn't quite sure about, but Ultimately, I think David Haney did do enough to get the job done. It was a close fight. I had it on my scorecard in the end at 150-113 to Devin Haney. But again, you could easily have it as a draw. I'm kind of mixed between the two, a draw and a 115-113 Haney. So it's a difficult one. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen around the corner. Will Lomachenko get a rematch? Probably not in the way that Devin Haney is an undisputed champion. He'll probably move on to somebody else. And lightweight is probably one of the most stacked divisions in the sport at the moment. So it's very, very difficult to argue for that. But we will see. Um, what a fight. What level of, of athleticism and boxing, you know, like I say, peak, peak, peak level of boxing right there. And if any young fighters are, are wanting to watch a, a real technical bout um, and a real true boxing match, then 
I would look no further than Devin Haney against Vasily Lomachenko. We've gone at the past. We've, we've discussed last weekend. Now let's discuss this weekend of fights coming up because we've got two really, really big fights um, domestically this weekend, which is always fantastic. Um, three, if you include Michael Conlon's fight as well. Um, but I'm not going to talk about Michael Conlon's fight too much. Michael Conlon is a big start in Ireland, um, but we do have a lot of UK fights to talk about this weekend. A couple of really important UK fights this weekend. So, um, yeah, who knows? But it is Luis Alberto Lopez against Michael Conlon. And if you are a boxing fan, make sure you do tune into that as well, if you have time. Because, again, this weekend is, is stacked. It's Lawrence Acoli versus Chris Billum-Smith at the... Um, Bournemouth Stadium, I think it's the Vitality, is it, that they call the Bournemouth Stadium, but that's where it's happening. It's a homecoming for Chris Billum-Smith. It's a fight for between two former teammates, um, Lawrence Acoli and Chris Billum-Smith, uh, this weekend, and and what a fight it promises to be. Uh, Billum-Smith is a real power puncher, a real problem in that division, um, and Lawrence Acoli is seen as much more of a sort of a, a stand-up fighter. He'll, he'll jab and he'll move, and, and he's not got a, a fantastic knockout ratio, um, but once he does get his, his 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 rhythm going, he can be a dangerous fighter. Very very disappointing performance in his last out in Lawrence Acoli. Um He probably sh- you know got the job done against David Light, but David Light really is a mandatory challenger. Really should have probably put him away or put a better performance in. You did have fans leaving after the first five rounds, which is never a good thing. And I think that's one of the biggest things this fight this this weekend for Lawrence Acoli. Yes, he needs to win a fight against Chris Billum Smith, who's a really game and really really tough opponent. Um, but he needs to improve on that performance if he's going to have any chance of winning. He needs to improve on that performance. And not only that, but you know he needs to prove to the fans that he's worth worth watching because ultimately Boxer and Sky Sports have made an investment in Lawrence Acoli. They're probably going to want to put him on pay-per-view sooner rather than later um, or a big pay-per-view at uh, uh, that. Um, and they're going to want to start charging people. And at this moment in time, I can't see that many people that are really going to pay the big bucks for Lawrence Acoli. Um, but it's for the WBO World Cruiserweight Championship. Um, it, again, Styles make fights, former teammates under Shane McGuigan. Um, now Lawrence Acoli has moved across to Shane, train with Sugar Hill Stewart, Tyson Fury's trainer. Uh, that Kronk style come forward and, and really pressure on. Lawrence Acoli isn't the type of fighter that will do that. So it'd be really interesting to see now Sugar Hill and, and Lawrence have had time to gel together what they come up with. Um, but I think it's going to be a fantastic fight and one that I'm really going to be uh, dialed into and, and, and watching like a hawk. Um, I think Chris Billum-Smith will get the job done. Again, Lawrence Sokoli in his last performance was was really, really poor. Um, I do think he'll improve on that performance, but I think Chris Billum-Smith with the crowd behind him, he's a Bournemouth lad. Um, and, and I think, again, he will really have a, a, a massive, massive um, spur on from, from his home crowd. Um, to get the job done. I think it will be a late stoppage. Um, I think his pressure will get to Lawrence Acoli, even though Acoli has got a fantastic gas tank and can go all day. Um, I do think Chris Billum-Smith will get to him and potentially stop him late on. But it's going to be a very interesting fight, a really, really good fight, a cracking fight, I think, really, um, and one that's going to be very, very good for Sky Sports and Boxer after the few weeks, the tumultuous few weeks they have had um, in the heavyweight division with the mandatories, Fabio Wardley, etc., etc. So, Going to be big for Boxer, going to be big for Ben Ben Shalom. It needs to work for them, and I think it will. And I've got Chris Billum-Smith being the new WBO Cruiserweight Champion of the World. We now move a little bit further north, or a lot further north, to the Manchester Arena, where we see Maurizio Lara against uh, Lee Wood, number two. Um, What a fight the first one was. Lee Wood, Nottingham boy, local lad. um, Really, really got his 
his movement and his jab going and, and really, really was doing well against Mauricio Lara last time. However, Mauricio Lara, he's, he's always dangerous. He's always game. What do they say about Mexican fighters? They are dangerous to the end. Um, and Mauricio Lara absolutely is. He's beaten Josh Warrington, um, Emiliano, Emiliano Sanchez, Jose Samaritan, Lee Wood. Last few fights, he's won by TKO, TKO, KO. Uh, technical decision because um, fight was stopped after Lara was caught from an accidental head clash um, uh, and TKO against Josh Warrington before that, which was a massive upset. He's game, he's tough um, uh, and he takes some getting rid of. I know a lot of people have been really backing Lee Wood in this fight, saying that he'd got him figured out in the first fight. Lara just landed that one punch, but that one punch is all it takes. And to be quite honest with you, I do think Lee Wood now, he is 34 Um Lara is 25. He's a much younger man. Lee Woods on the downslide of his career. Mauricio Lara maybe on the up. Um, and I think with the way that Mauricio Lara has been in the last few fights, he's been dangerous. He's been game. He's been willing. He's been able to catch everybody on the chin. And I think it will be the same at the weekend. And, and not only that, but I actually do think that he'll get the job done even quicker. Um, he got it done in the seventh round, I think it was last time. I can see this being done within three, to be honest with you. I think I can see a really um, sort of juggernaut performance by 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 Mauricio Lara, like a steam train, just, just mowing over Lee Wood this weekend. I hope not, because Lee Wood, obviously a domestic fighter, Nottingham lad, not too far away from, from where we're based ourselves at Loaded Sport. But I can't see anything else happening for the WBA featherweight championship of the world. Um, and we'll have to see. So... Couple of fantastic fights, couple of fantastic nights coming up um, this weekend in the boxing world. Not much UFC coming up. There's a UFC event coming up in a couple of weeks' time, which I will discuss. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about in the world of fighting this weekend. And as we always are, loaded sport will be all over it. Dawson. Michael Van Gerwen is the 2023 Darts Premier League champion. Well done, Michael Van Gerwen, and not well done, Dawson, because he moved his Let's chair at last minute and let you down. Question for the room. We'll go round the room, Sam, then Kemp, then Aggie, then me. So one-word answer. Pre-tournament, when we did our predictions live on the show, who did you predict would win the tournament? Sam. Chris Doby. Kempy. Gerwin Price. Aggie. Aggie. Ah, ah, who Peter did you Wright. predict? Who? Peter Wright. Peter and, Wright. And Kemp, you, you can answer for me, mate. Who did I yeah. pick? A couple of weeks ago, you picked Michael Smith. No, I'm not on about that, mate. Pre oh, no, you're not on about that, are yeah. you? Oh, oh, you're on about when you move the chair away from yeah. Michael yeah. You're, not, you're, not, you're not having it, Dawson. <laughs> you think you're not having it, Dawson. <laughs> Dawson, if you think about it carefully, you should be the one that's celebrating the least because you pulled away from Michael Van Gerwen <laughs> and then he won. Yeah, but you're, you're making the same Kemp thinking he's got he's got any shame about him. He don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, 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 no shame. No shame. Dib's uh, Dib's gone to the trouble of uh, doing us a, a thumbnail for the uh, for YouTube release. I'm just going to title now is going to be Michael Van Gogh in one thing, and then just I'm going to screenshot me doing that. So uh, that, that's it. That's it for our release. But uh, before we close off the show with um, a, a fantastic story in the sporting world and our plans for the weekend. Um, after the postponement of the Imola race in the Formula One last weekend, it is back with probably the most prestigious uh, race of the calendar, and that is Monaco. So, again, I'm going to very quickly come to you, mate. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, as, as 
nice as the occasion is, I don't think Monaco is that great for, for on-track racing for obvious reasons. So very quickly, give us your thoughts. Mercedes this week have announced apparently major upgrades to their car. Based on what you've seen, based on what you know, is it enough to put them back in and amongst it? Or is it going to be yet again another weekend of Red Bull dominance? I think it's going to be another weekend of Red Bull dominance. I think it's a case in Monaco of where you start is more often than not where you finish. The only thing that can really upset the rhythm there is that of the strategy. And I don't think um, Mercedes, whilst they are still a little bit further behind Red Bull, I don't think the strategy is too far off. And I think with Red Bull starting on the front row, I think that's where they're going to be where they finish. Ferrari aren't going to be competitive this weekend. They are poor strategically. They are very, very bad at it, and they've not got the reliability either. So that's going to put them off slightly. I know you mentioned earlier when you were talking to Josh about um, Lewis Hamilton and the potential of him going to Ferrari. Well, it was announced uh, six hours ago that Hamilton and Mercedes are close to agreeing a new deal. So that should put all the Ferrari worries and the Mercedes fans' worries uh, to, to bed, and Hamilton will stick around them for a little bit longer. I don't think it's the right decision. I, I think Mercedes probably need to look towards moving on, moving to a new era at the moment, because whilst Lewis Hamilton's still chasing that eighth title, he's not providing them with what they need to push forward. And and I know it it might be a little bit biased because, you know, I don't like Lewis Hamilton and, and whatever else, but I think they need to start looking more towards the future now. And with all due respect to him, he's had an incredible career. I don't think Lewis Hamilton is the future at Mercedes. They've They've stepped off the gas, so to speak, for for a while now. They've not been quite as competitive as they'd like with the Red Bulls. They're now competitive with the Aston Martins for the best of the rest, and that shows just how how huge that fall's actually been. What are you even like? La- what's what's going on? What are you laughing at? What have I done? You'll see, but you've not done anything. Don't worry. I'll see. Oh, is it Sam? No. Yeah, it's Sam again. All right. Okay. Um, Give us your predictions then. Who's got pole? Who's got the race? I think it's going to be Max on both occasions. Max on pole. Max wins the race. Yeah. It's tough because at some point, surely someone else is going to win. Monaco could be the weekend because it is hard. So I'm I'm going to... uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Checo. I'm going to go Sergio Perez. I, I, I almost went Fernando Alonso just to be different, but I, I think you're right. It's too hard to say um, at this point. But uh, I suppose one of the uh, the big talking points in the in the previous seven days, we, we spoke and we briefly previewed the PGA Championship um, last week and, and gave our predictions. But I don't think the winner coming out of it is is the story. Brooks Kepka becomes a, a, a player that has now won five major championships, an incredible feat in the modern era. In any era, let's be let's be fair. But everybody is uh, is talking about someone else and, and Ken. Tell us the story of, of the man, the player that won uh, everyone's hearts last weekend. Michael Block, Cinderella story. You can't say anything other than an absolute Cinderella story for Michael Block. What an unbelievable story it was and what an unbelievable weekend of golf. As you mentioned there, Flowers have got to go to Brooks Kepka for his fifth major win. It's, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic achievement for him um, and, and what a player he is and fair play to him. Um, it's, it's, it's only going to be on the up foot from here for him. He's still a young guy, um, so fingers crossed he can... Uh, he can add a few more championships and titles to his name. But he is 33, got plenty of time left in the game. Um, so so well done to Brooks Kepka. But like you say there, Dawson, um, the, the winner of the day, in my opinion, um, it has to be, it has to be Michael Block. Um, 
just just the hole in one, the occasion when he figured out that he was getting put with Rory McIlroy at the start. Everything. It, it's it's why it's one of the big reasons why I love watching golf. Um, I love playing golf. It's fantastic, but watching golf when you see things like that, it's just unbelievable. Um, he, he finished tied fifteenth. What more is it to say? He's forty six years of age. Hole in one at par on the par three fifteenth, um, and yeah, I've run out of superlatives to talk about Michael Block because what an unbelievable story it was from start to finish. When he started the round again, when he was found out he was paired with Rory McIlroy, he was delighted with with that that he was playing with one of his, as we say on the list of locking sporting heroes. Um, and, and you can't take anything away from him. He's had a fantastic performance, a great weekend, and what a tournament it was, Dawson. Yeah, absolutely. And if, uh, if for whatever reason you do ever leave the show and we bring you in for the listener lock-in, then uh, I'm sure Michael Block will be your answer to uh, to the question that closes the segment. But yeah, has to be up story, there. Mate. Has to be up what? there, mate. Yeah, well, that's that's it's a uh, it's one of the biggest underdog stories ever. And imagine if he'd have gone on to win it, that would have made it even better. But you know, like you say. It's as good as a win, in my opinion, that is for Michael Block. And it's a, it's a weekend he will never, ever forget for the rest of his life. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, he's got an invite for next year, so the story isn't over yet. And uh, you never, ever, ever, ever know. We've seen crazier things in sport. So, uh, Sam, big night of sport, big week of sport. Brooks Kepka is the PGA Championship winner. Manchester City are the Premier League champions. Michael Van Gerwen is the Darts Premier League champion. Manchester United and Newcastle United have both secured top four spots and return to the Champions League next year. It's been some weekend spot, hasn't it? Not bad at all, mate. Not bad at all. It's these uh, getting towards these pinnacle uh, pinnacle days, May or <laughs> May and August. <laughs> May and August, fucking hell. May and August, and um, that's what we uh, what we live for, isn't it? Kemp's fucking W a kipper. Um, yeah, obviously I'm not going to talk too much about your golf and and all that bollocks, but yeah, it's uh, it's these it's these Ain't playoff finals times that you fucking did it, you twat. Yeah, I deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve it. I was going all out then. I wonder what I was going to do. I was going all out, whatever it was. Oh uh, dear. Uh, I'm surprised yeah. at the lack of nudity, to be fair. But yeah, shame, thought about it. Shame. Thought about it. Yeah, absolutely. But look, after after this weekend, next week's episode, it'll be previewing cup finals and playoff finals will be done. All league football will be finished. It'll be a summer of fun and rumours and lads, we're, we're not too far away from NFL return. There's a weekly segment as oh, well. So, uh, baby. Yeah, all the summer camps or, or, you know, big trades that will happen, pre-season, all of it. So, you know, we, we might have a little bit of a downturn in, in terms of constant action over these next couple of months, but constant action or lack of it doesn't mean there'll be a lack of news to be talking about. So really looking yeah. forward to it. But uh Bank Holiday Weekend coming up, lads. 50 episodes in the box. Who would have thought this back in November when we were discussing it and we got it started? Unbelievable. Um, and here's to the next 50 when we hit the uh, hit the century and, and many more after that. But uh, talk us through your weekends, lads. Bank Holiday Weekend's coming up. The end of this league season coming up. Aggie, what you got going on? Um, I've got Eleanor's birthday on Saturday, so I think we're going out to the cinema to watch the live-action version of Little Mermaid, I think it is, that's in. Um, yeah, that's Sunday. That's that was sweet. Sunday, probably just going to be chilling and doing uh, nothing up until uh, Monaco starts. Then watching Monaco, followed by uh, the end of the Premier League season. And then Monday, just enjoying the bank holiday. Hopefully the weather will be nice. Take the kids out to the park, just chill. 
wish her, wish her happy birthday from the Loader Sport boys and uh, give her one from us. And uh, always to clarify, because everyone's different, Sam, on this occasion, is that one from each of us or just one overall combined? Uh, combined, that's why I went for full load of sport collective. Yeah, so, yeah, nice. just just one just one thrust will do. Yeah, happy days. Aggie, let, make sure that uh, you bring the review and written notes on that how, on how that went down for episode 51 next week. But, uh, Sam, boy, Ray and mate, Bank Holiday Weekend, what's on the agenda? Yeah, um, obviously, I break up for a week as well. So... Bank holiday weekend, Saturday, we are going to Meadowall, me and the lady. Um, we have booked out the new dartboard room. It's like a bit of a bit of a bar sort of thing, interactive interactive dartboard. So we'll be playing some darts. Uh, yes. Kemp, uh, Kemp and uh, his lovely lady will be joining us. So I'm looking forward to that Saturday, going around to my, my mother and father's Saturday evening. Um, and then Sunday, I think I'm going to nip up to the star for it, just for a change. Um, I think Paul, look <laughs> at Kemp, Kemp's face. I think Kemp's Paul's thinking got a, what time? Licking his lips, bank all this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to star uh, Sunday. Paul, bless him, is donating his darts to me. So I want to go and pick them darts up and uh, and get going with it. I've got some new flights, by the way. Uh, the Condor Axe, as they're called. It's the, the all integrated plastic um, flight and shaft so I'm, uh, I'm eager to try them that's my, that's my weekend and then uh, yeah I break up for a week so uh, we're actually going Wednesday we're going to watch Coldplay at the Etihad at the home of the English champions I know you're going obviously the, the following Saturday so yeah I've got yes, uh, a couple of bits to look forward to over these next uh, next few days to be fair I like that mate well I'll tell you what next week episode 51 to close the show you can uh, review <laughs> the Coldplay experience and oh, I'll preview fine. it how's that sound yeah yeah that's fine I thought you were going <laughs> to reenact fucking fix you or something like that <laughs> no no mate you review the show and I'll preview it for when I go that's on Saturday fine. but uh, happy days mate enjoy the week off and uh, Kempi a bit of golf in there surely what you got planned over over that bank holiday weekend while the weather's nice Oh, good sir, you know me all. You know me all too well. Um, yeah, Saturday, as Sam's just mentioned, we're going to be nipping up to Meadowall to have a go on the new dartboard and the new facilities down there. It's like a little new gaming setup. I've not quite been there just yet, but we'll see what that's all about. And obviously, we will report back uh, Sunday. I, to be confirmed, I might be going for a kickabout on Sunday with a few of the lads I've not seen for a while. Um, so, so we'll see. No, no, it'll just be up to. Uh, Bakewell, I think, on the uh, on the pitch up there. So uh, we shall see if that transpires. If not, I will probably end up being in the star with with Mr. White, as we've just discussed. Um, and then Monday, Dawson, as I've just mentioned, you know me better than anybody. I will be on the golf course bright and early on s- Monday morning. And then uh, Monday afternoon, obviously, it is the League One playoff final where I will be in full red, uh, full red kit, full clad Barnsley FC. Uh, cheering the uh, the tykes onto the championship. So uh, yeah, good weekend coming up, but but a fairly busy one, action packed. Dawson, what about you? Uh, not much, mate. I've got Tommy from Saturday, so it'll be a, a pretty chilled weekend. I've got a, a very 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 busy June coming up, so uh, it's uh, having a couple of chilled weekends ready to uh, save up some energy. It's been a long week as we start as we stated at the uh, start of the show, so looking forward to switching off and resetting uh, with a long weekend. But lads. 50 episodes. Unbelievable achievement. Listener lock in, in the box. League football in the box. It's, it just seems like such a milestone in the, in the loaded sport um, chapter of history, encyclopedia, whatever you want to call it. But we will Gold. be back next week. 
gold, isn't it? 50th anniversary. It's gold, number 50. You celebrate that in a wedding. It's it's the gold wedding anniversary. So, yeah, we're uh, aiming for platinum soon. Sorry, I'm just That's watching it. the uh, Man United game. Jao Felix just got a lovely little goal to make it 4-1 to uh, United. But... I like it. But, um, yeah, if, if we if we actually do it, the platinum uh, or whatever fucking thing it was if we do 50 years of this and I tell you what we'll have covered some content in that time won't we but uh, we'll see but lads have a great weekend 50 in the box listen locking in the box Michael Van Gerwen is the uh, Darts Premier League champion and Manchester City for the fifth time in six years are the Premier League champions we'll be back next week to cover off everything that happens this weekend and throughout the week but until then have a great bank holiday weekend and a bit boys bye